The Q Affair. Part 2. The Q Woo. While some similarities to living people may exist in your mind on reading this novel, it is a work of fiction. So it's your problem if you have people like this in your life. Chapter 3. I sometimes wrote on my blog in the evenings. I had taken up meditation after a break of some years. I found it passed some of the days at work well to concentrate on what I was doing without thinking, but just staying in the moment while doing it for half an hour or so at a time. It sounds strange that one would wish to add more of what sounds like a boring activity to what was already a boring activity. But it had an invigorating effect when you tuned into your body and felt tiredness or boredom or whatever you were feeling without the big label on it. You could detect little moments of pleasure instead of getting swamped by resentment at an unpleasant task or aching feet. The colour of a customer's gloves beside them on a chair or how water swirled in a sink, or tuning in to see what bits of your body didn't ache but felt relaxed, instead of running off in your head to escape the boredom of where you were, seemed more effective than wishing you were at home when you weren't, for staying in the happy place in your mind. And I wrote about meditation, among other things I liked, like books. I wrote more about some of the channels on YouTube too. Whenever something funny caught my eye, as the videos could be posted easily by copying a link YouTube put under their videos to allow you to post them elsewhere. I built little posts around these, talking about the different channels for people online who I thought might like to discover some of the quirky content that I'd come across and found amusing, diverting, educational or interesting. I was becoming more fascinated by the interrelationships between the stories I found on the different truther channels and how they fed off each other and seemed to create something new that evolved as the channels reacted to one another's content. My blog was part of this evolution as well, I thought, since it presented some of the stories in a different context by writing about it too. Now the reaction to the blog was becoming part of the story for Desiree as well. That's pretty much how we ended up here together, reader, heading into the maze. Like how she led Q to me, she led me to you as well, in a way. Isn't that fun? Let's carry on together then, while I tell the rest of my little tale. And you can get a look at the centre of the maze with me if you care to. Otherwise... I'll tell the little birds and whistle my tune into the wind. Michael Quinn's channel was still working away with videos, of course, and still with the extra subs that had swarmed over from Katie Cooper's channel, she not having returned from whatever spaceship flight she was abducted to. And his new space cadets were having the trip of their lives with him. His channel being mainly what is very generously known as a research channel by the truth community. He showed them the truly staggering amount of hadron colliders that were hidden in plain sight, but underground all over the world. He linked this to his singularity and AI theme, 
by talking about how Sophia the robot, invented by the middle-aged whiz kid Ben Gertzel, was going to fuse with humans to eliminate all things evil around the globe by creating something smarter, the energy for which would spread out in a big network like the ley lines the Egyptian pyramids were arranged along looking up at the stars in communication with the gods and drawing their energies to us like human batteries, all powering up for this AI's needs. This was the awakening of a new level of consciousness globally that signalled the opening of the portal of our third eye and our entry into the new age of higher consciousness that we were right on the cusp of. There were the weird opening ceremonies at CERN's Hadron Collider to investigate and pore over as Wikipedia pages were read and video clips of devils and angels dancing wildly for dignitaries as the Stargate-style portals were completed and the meaning of it all provided rich materials for speculation, analysis and dreaming about the whole shebang, as they say in Ireland. I enjoyed all this very much, as it was such fun in contrast to Desiree's gloominess, which anyone would welcome a break from. A break was needed too, for hearing oneself called names so often on video, along with the shock of hearing one's real name mentioned instead of one's avatar name on her videos. And whenever I heard the word Donna, I knew the word troll or evil would be attached too. She went after me hard, but I wasn't the only person she hated. By now, more people were getting added to her stalker gang, which was crawling all over that part of YouTube and didn't seem to be as interested in hunting her down in person as she claimed, as they were in just going into chats on the various channel. As I was doing, all moving together, like bees visiting different flowers in a garden to gather sweet nectar before heading back to whichever hive they like to call home to make sweet in the chat about what they'd seen and heard elsewhere. Desiree's were a few of the videos that I linked to on my blog, although less often since I didn't want my name and now as well other things she was finding out about me from an old blog I'd had up while doing a course, splashed all over the place as well. We're not all as outgoing as Desiree, I suppose. And to an introvert, the idea of total strangers you don't know from the internet writing to you or trying to phone you up wasn't all that appealing. I doubted any of them would be offering me a nice job either, based on some of the ugly things she was saying about me. I'd lost my job, according to her, for various reasons, like helping human traffic the children I'd worked with, or I'd passed their addresses on to the child-killing gang, or helped them straight up go and murder people of an evening after work. I was a very busy person, apparently. It sounded more exhausting than what I actually worked at, except, I suppose, there wouldn't be as much standing up involved, which leaves you a lot fresher. My actual job wasn't mentioned at all, so I guess she had a few pieces of old information, added some favourite themes to it and didn't know where I'd moved or where I'd lived originally, although she knew the city I was from. Not hard to guess at if she had anyone Irish in her subs to ask. 
I had no idea where she managed to get the information from. I hoped she'd never find out exactly where I lived, as she would be sure to do to me what I'd heard she'd done to others. I'd found out what in the stories they told on the forums and posts I'd discovered online and had then confirmed for myself already the veracity of it once on her channel with her favourite sub and loyal right-hand wrench in chief, Neo, who had hated Desiree's enemies with a passion and had eventually found out what it was like to be one and to have Desiree reveal who you were and where to find you to her subs. Neo had a pretty shocking backstory herself, catalogued online in police reports, which made me feel partly sorry for her as she clearly had her own problems. But I was also relieved that she seemed to want to disappear into the ether after she tasted the lash of Desiree's tongue when they fell out and Desiree roasted her by doxing her on a live stream. Now I could see the full depths of the fury and venom for myself, aiming its sights at me and the black hatred in those shark eyes, gleaming like some kind of lidless demon staring out, searching for something to possess as she shouted my name and my crimes on her videos. She'll stalk me now, I thought, as she did others in videos for years and threatened me with the loss of my job as others online had said she did or just call up everyone she could find related to me and scream down the phone at them and assault them with letters, foul language and threats of police battering down their doors to arrest them for the crime of covering for a killer. Steady on, old thing, I thought to myself. Just stay in the moment and stay calm. She's not actually possessed. Demons aren't real, but part of me was shook and needed a break. So I went gladly to other channels for a laugh or a crazy mystery or puzzle clue to ponder for lighter fare. Michael Quinn gave little hints that he had a puzzle hidden in his videos too. Every so often he'd wink or make hand gestures and raise his eyebrows significantly as he was pointing out something. I became interested in this subtext behind the research which he just seemed too smart himself to believe because of the many ridiculous and droll aspects of it and the way some extremely silly conclusions were arrived at through the research. I got the impression too that some of his subs were in on the joke, whatever it was, and I was hooked. I had to know what this joke was. As I followed the clues he was giving, things started getting really interesting as it provided a map of the maze you and I are heading into the heart of now together. You never need to fear the unknown with a map in hand. In fact, you never need to fear the unknown if you don't either. But it's nice to have one. So let me refer to it here. The first path we turn into along the hedges is a numbered one. Fitting that, since Q loves numbers. Michael Quinn provided a number with hand signals and a reference. The significance hinted at by a series of eyebrow lifts, which I neglected to add up. In a particular video to a Twitter account, 
which happened to feature the same numbers, I noticed, as the numbers he was showing in the hand signal he threw up suddenly, declaring it to be an Illuminati cabal secret code. Well, I thought, he really wants us to go and take a look at this Twitter account. So I did, and went through their tweet timeline, looking for something that seemed significant. Maybe something with hadron colliders or robots, quantum computers or Bitcoin, all things that Michael Quinn liked talking about and relating to one another, which didn't seem yet to gel together for me in a way that related at all. There were links to articles and blogs online and tweets, and tweets that seemed random and not very straightforward in the same way that Michael Quinn's videos did. But there was something there to be found. I thought, and I kept looking between watching YouTube channels I was subbed to as videos as they popped up in my YouTube window to pass the evenings after work. Often I was with my little cat who had moved house with me, spread out in my lap, trying to impede progress as I spread out my search a bit over the course of a week or two to look at other accounts that were in the thread, talking about the same topics the Quinn's subs liked researching. I've always liked being in this not knowing but wanting to know state of mind. It's refreshing to take an interest in something. And when you are reading a book, it's fun to want to know what's going to happen in the next chapter or next page or if things are heating up the next line. Well, I found the number I was looking for, starting to crop up in tweets after trawling a while. And it was like the page before you know you were going to find out who committed the library murder with the candlestick at three in the morning. You know you won't sleep and you turn the page with a thrill of delight, savouring the moment. There was a link to a file at last posted on a website after various references got scattered in tweets with no further hints to fill in the map with. I clicked eagerly. The page opened quickly to reveal text and some pictures constructed with ASCII character text between the blocks of text, just for decoration, I supposed, or clues maybe. I just didn't know because the text was rather rambling as well and I couldn't figure out its purpose. I bookmarked the page to look at again another night and headed off to watch Phony Wars, which had just popped up in my YouTube notifications. Later on, there would be Desiree angry about something else or one of the other channels to swarm to with the rest of the bees looking for nectar of entertainment and something to fill our dreams with as we slept. Chapter four. I was soon to discover that the relaxed, happy atmosphere I had come to take for granted on phony wars couldn't be taken for granted after all. Although I'd settled in enough by now, by the time the end of spring had arrived, and had become one of the several wrenches on the channel whose purpose was presumably to stop chat getting too rowdy by way of cussing and spitting, or personal insults getting hurled, or heavens forbid, swarms of demon spotters arriving to prey up a storm over the sometimes slightly racy content and spoil the fun buzz completely. A few new bees had arrived to the garden, who I felt sucked the life out of the blooms there a little too greedily 
perhaps, instead of having a symbiotic relationship with the nature of the thing and moving on from flower to flower to leave some nectar for the other bees. There were three or four of these new arrivals who seemed to know one another and always arrived fashionably late, 10 minutes or so after the stream had started and who I hadn't come across on any other channels before. They were pleasant enough as they chatted and I never had any reason to notice them other than not knowing where they came from. However, as so often happened, when you watch the video content for a while and also followed chat, I noticed them becoming regulars and found that I started to dislike something about them after a couple of weeks. I couldn't put my finger on anything in particular, except a kind of smugness about them, which irritated me, although I didn't know why that was and suspected it could well be my little issue and not their little issue, as it didn't have anything much behind it. They seemed to be forever congratulating each other on jokes they'd made or clever remarks that weren't particularly funny or extra clever that I could see. And it got in my nerves after a while, like people who laugh too loudly in a mid-range restaurant do, to get people to look at them, presumably to notice how lovely or how rich they are as they grace everyone with their sparkling presence. It seemed somehow rather superior a judgment of the other mere mortals in chat, an impression not helped by the fact that they didn't mingle much, although they did usually say hello to people before starting to swap private jokes among themselves and laugh about them together. So it seemed terribly petty of me to dislike them over so little. As I say, I thought it might be my issue at the time. There was a male and a female who were particularly sugary and congratulatory towards each other, and they put me in mind of a McDonald's milkshake I'd had that I made the mistake of picking up to drink once it had thawed out. I just couldn't handle that much sugar without the chill. At the same time that extra helpings of sugar were getting doled out among the group, by these few new arrivals, who seemed to gravitate around an avatar who called himself Terence. The videos began featuring one particular content creator more often, with edits of parts of his videos played often with colourful filters to make them more exciting. I didn't know who this creator was, appearing in the video with another man, both using some fairly colourful language, until I remembered one was a YouTuber I'd seen interviewing Michael Quinn several times. He was prodding and poking away at the guy who was verbally jeering him with some kind of a camera selfie stick or short tripod. The other guy, it seemed, was following him on a Los Angeles street specifically to jeer him and get him this wound up for the camera. I was lost on the context of the disagreement and didn't ask about it. I didn't really want to know. The group around Terence couldn't get enough of this particular video though, so they already knew and were sure to ask the channel owner to play it minutes after their arrival. When he noticed their comments in chat, and he was known for doing special requests for particular videos or music to be played, he usually obliged and sometimes played the same clip a few times during the course of the one or two hour long shows. The way I used to see news loops repeat when I watched a news station on my TV 
way back in the days when I still watched TV. Terence's group always had something to say about Selfie Stick Man, who was a great source of amusement to them, and who I gathered they didn't like. Surprisingly for me, the channel owner, who was usually a total pussycat and gent about people, and who I'd never seen say a bad word about anyone apart from politicians, didn't seem to like him either, and made the occasional remark which which suggested this while he was lining up the next item to show us or to do a bit more editing on. I assumed it was someone they knew and that they'd get bored with it after a while and we'd move back to more interesting content. It was no big deal, hardly noticeable at first, but it seemed to build up in meanness over time and the rest of the chat began gradually to catch the infection and join in on some of the increasingly cruel remarks being made. Nobody seemed openly anti-Semitic, but the fact that the man with the tripod was Jewish seemed somehow to be an issue that caused amusement to many. I'd seen a lot of this anti-Semitism on display on Colonel Ray Peters' expose channel, and apparently the Jews were the evil bankers and part of the Illuminati cabal, who were all literal demons, that the Christ or Yeshua, loving faithful, were fighting with their armour of God on. So it was no surprise to see these remarks on Q-decoder channels like Peter's or Gerald Cross's, but more surprising on phony wars. The anti-Semitism was ferocious in chat on another channel called Lift the Curtain, on which all kinds of political stories were investigated. The chat seemed to be constantly teeming with various insects from around the different truther channels as the host played footage and analysed some breaking news story or item for further investigation and discussion by all. The chat section here could be roughly divided along the lines of armour of God people versus phony wars just here for the humour type people versus trolls. They're primarily to troll the, troll the host of the show with an array of slurs hurled from chat. This host allowed anyone in chat to call in during one of his show's segments and the trolls waited eagerly for this section, vying for the chance to try to aggravate the host, who was very calm in manner and difficult to get annoyed. I wondered why he was so hated, between wondering if I would survive in chat between the Bible bashing and insults that were getting hurled around. Desiree's people didn't descend on me so regularly either there, or in phony wars though. Perhaps it was because in phony wars they knew I had a wrench and it wasn't really their kind of show anyway. And because, I think, they just got a little more lost in the fast scrolling chat that was always hopping in Lift the Curtain and I got a little more cover. Also, there was someone else, the host, to have a much more than two-minute hate fest on. If the wrenches didn't throw you out for going too far in a very tolerant chat box that left one's nerves sure to be jangling after the show was over. One had the chance to ignore them at least and know that everyone was pretty much giving everyone a bad time on that show while the host calmly managed to ignore most of it, at least until the troll calls started coming in. Some of the stories were of interest, though, 
Several things I'd been following in the news and found fascinating, like the Sandy Hook shootings and the 9-11 Twin Towers bombing, which I'd been following on InfoPill, among other channels, when first the stories hit the newspapers. In Ireland, it would have been written as 11-9, but that's not much of a story and hardly worth mentioning. They had both been really odd news stories that had resulted in a huge amount of coverage by various news outlets. One could click on any avatar and chat to find out a bit more about what channels they subbed to or what their broad range of individual beliefs or interests were, since once you got to their channel, by clicking on them, you usually saw a list of their saved playlists where they organised videos they liked under different headings, as you would in your documents folder on a computer. Smiles wistfully at the thought that anyone knows how to do that, knowing well they don't, as I'd had to teach file management on a few computer courses and knew many people found this concept tricky. You could also see what kind of channels they subscribe to. I discovered new channels myself sometimes this way, but more often found that it was a bit like managing files, as you mentally figured out which box to put the person into in your own thinking. The ones that didn't like Jewish people were pretty much guaranteed to have acres of material on their playlists about the evil cabal of Hillary Clinton devil-worshipping baby eaters. Something I knew the Q and fundamental religion people liked mentioning often in chats, and a lot of the worst trolls that lift the curtain had calling in quite had quite an obsession with saving children from these. Which, I suppose, if you actually believed it, seemed like a fair enough thing to want to do. Indeed, there seemed to be a dreadful spate of devil-worshipping baby-eaters in charge all over the world that I hadn't been aware of, judging by some of the content that many subbed to. I don't know how they could watch some of the more luridly thumbnailed content which I clicked out of swiftly, if the thumbnail wasn't already enough to tell me, it probably wouldn't really be my thing, as it seems to me that it would be like loving animals while voluntarily watching videos of abused animals regularly. It wouldn't be a trauma I would want to be noble about and start doing at night, saving these children from the baby eaters after a hard day at work, particularly if it came across as a bit dubious evidence-wise to me, as many thumbnails featured images taken from rich people's surrealist parties on Salvador Dali themes, with reindeer horns and funny birdcage hats providing some of the proof to truthers that these satanic monsters were insane, with no mention about the rather few arrests for said crime worldwide to date. I guess some are just made of sterner stuff, or just some know the difference between art and life when we see it. Or maybe, like Desiree, they got some kind of kick out of thinking about lurid things and enjoyed the surges of adrenaline that social media doles out to the non-AI sentient creature, where a constant diet of emotionally triggering videos can be consumed in ever-increasing quantities like junk food that never fills you up until you are eating seven happy meals a day plus the shakes. 
As you sit in your car, in the queue for takeaway, momentarily, you might even wonder how you grew so fat on crud that your gut hardly fits behind the wheel now, while you always feel starved for more. Back on Desiree's channel, she started her live stream soon after Lift the Curtains had ended usually and sewed on her electric sewing machine through the night as I slept. Business seemed to be taking off for her, for all her stalker troubles. The orders appeared to be rolling in with her email address given under the videos and the fact that bugs in her small apartment seemed to be constantly stalking her quilts didn't seem to deter buyers one bit. Sometimes there were four or five of the winged creatures enjoying the coloured maze of patches when Desiree paused to emphasise a point about the stalking gang, now led by me under Bob Coventry's direction all ultimately at the orders of Rick Russell's anti-cult institute, a cult itself, if ever there was one, she warned us, tacking scissors, jabbing at the screen. That evil Donna that killed her daughter with the rest of the gang, and that evil Neo and the others, some of whom she listed with their avatar names, whose identity she would find, like those she had already like a demented version of that Indian played by that Irish actor in that film. She screamed it out under the sewing machine's roar that stood in for the waterfalls in the high-budget movie version. I will find you. It was jarring and scarring, no doubt. And although I tried not to get too rattled, by the constant fist shaking and scissor pokings, along with the name calling, the videos I made attempting to refute the mounting allegations she was making against me without doxing myself in the attempt to prove I couldn't possibly have ever run into any of the people she insisted I worked under, were falling on deaf ears. And something else happened which rattled me even worse. I'd had a brief conversation with Terence over in Phony Wars chat one night. Some of the channels were starting to notice how much Desiree hated me, since I often got trolled myself by her subs or by her when she arrived like a portly queen of Sheba to take up her throne in someone's chat and receive her due from the granny admirers like the gamers and puzzle solvers over at Fandango's. Terence mentioned a troll that Desiree had recently taken up with, a guy that was putting out videos, in fact, saying you could pay him if you wanted someone trolled on YouTube on your behalf. Tempting as the offer might seem to some, clearly it had been to Desiree as soon after he'd put out a few of these videos, she was turning up in comments under the videos, saying she'd email him, and he was replying to say he was on the case. Next thing I knew, he was as good as his word, and the case was me. He'd pounce on me in comment sections or turn up in her chat regularly whenever she spoke about me and join in in little pithy remarks about what a filthy, disgusting piece of work I was to stalk a poor old lady who was trying to get justice done by getting her daughter's killers put behind bars. 
He'd agree with her vigorously that such gang members were monsters and added that they had no heart to attack her constantly as they did and put her in fear of her life. Which turned out to be rather prescient of him in a hall of mirrors, carnival crazy kind of way, because shortly afterwards, I began to receive death threats myself. They came in my YouTube notifications when I opened my laptop and signed into YouTube to see what horrors and delights were in store for me that night or morning on my phone as I ate my breakfast in bed and chose what live stream I wanted to watch while putting on makeup before springing up to get dressed and go to work. The morning I got those, I paused over them, staring in disbelief.